fantastic start by the USA. Lloyd with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper! Off the post and in! Patrick Lloyd! The sound you're hearing is Carly Lloyd scoring her third goal in the Women's World Cup final on Sunday. And if you like sports, you know that whenever you score three goals in one game, that's called a hat trick. You probably know that even if you don't like sports. But where does that word come from? On the line with us now is Andrew Hignall. He's the secretary of the Association of Cricket Statisticians. He knows where the word comes from. Yeah, um, the term hat trick uh, has its evolution in the very English and Welsh game of cricket, which uh, is a game very similar to baseball. But the term hat trick uh, has its evolution in the mid-19th century from a bowler who would take three wickets. In other words, he would get three batsmen out with consecutive deliveries. And when bowlers took a wicket with three consecutive deliveries, uh, that they were presented with a, a very large top hat. Now, was there, um, that you know of, was there a first time that uh, the, the fans thought to do this? Um, the first record we've got is uh, in 1858 when a man called H.H. Stevenson was playing for the All England cricket team in a match uh, at Hallam and Staveley. But uh, there are records, as I say, from, the, uh, from that time and even photographs of players wearing the hat that they'd been given and awarded for this outstanding feat. I should add, though, that there are um, records, again, that actually anyone taking three wickets with successive balls actually won a gallon of beer. So I'm not quite sure uh, which people would have liked a nice top hat to wear or whether they'd have liked a gallon of beer to share with their friends. Well, were these quality hats? Were these, like, really nice top hats, or were they just kind of, like, you know, crappy free hats? No, they were, they, they were the quality things, like you would wear it with morning dress, you know, black tie and uh, tuxedo, etc. Have you ever scored a hat trick? I have. In fact, uh, as Glamorgan scorer, I actually saw a game at Cheltenham College in 2011 finish when uh, a Glamorgan bowler dismissed the number 9, the number 10, and the number 11 batsmen, all in successive balls. I have also seen someone take four wickets in five balls, uh, and um, that is uh, a no-mean feat. Is there a special uh, word or phrase for four wickets and four balls? Uh, no, not really. Um, the one thing that we do have, which is a bit of a colloquialism, if you take five wickets in an innings, it's actually called a Michelle because the origin of that is from Michel Pfeiffer, because you would say the bowler has taken five wickets for 50 runs, let's say. <laughs> so they call it a Pfeiffer, or of course these days they call it a Michel. So, so it's like five in the inning, it's a Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, so you call it Michel. Michel Pfeiffer. And that's that's a term that if I were you know watching cricket, I would hear people refer to. You would, you would hear... It's a bit of a colloquialism. You would hear people saying, oh, he's just taken a Michelle. I wonder if she knows about that. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? <laughs> She's, she'd be very welcome to come to Glamorgan if anyone takes a, uh, a five wickets. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much. This, is, uh, this has been great. Cheers. Thanks very much.
This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. And if you're listening to this show, you probably would like to listen to other podcasts. We cannot recommend Fresh Air highly enough. We can recommend it. If you don't know, Fresh Air is the place to go to where uh, Terry Gross, great interviewer, interviews everybody from Amy Poehler to John Waters to journalists, uh, reporters, authors, whoever you can think of. You definitely don't want to listen to Fresh Air unless you like good shows. That doesn't work as well. Don't listen to it. It still does. It, Or else you'll have a good listening experience. You can find Fresh Air's podcast at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app. But don't listen to it. I will finish this sentence later in today's show. We work out on a pier in Lake Michigan, and we left our office the other day. There was a big storm, and we heard this sound. I took out my phone and recorded it. And that sound is one of Chicago's very specific tornado sirens. I actually thought the, the, the siren blowing this sound was broken because it was so creepy sounding, but this is what it's supposed to sound like. So right now we're going to head to the factory where they make these sirens to find out more about why they sound that way. We should just play it one more time right now in case you have someone nearby that you'd like to terrify. You'll know we're there when we start speaking in hushed tones. All right, we are at uh, Federal Signal, which is the, the huge company which makes all sorts of sirens, alarms, flashing lights. So we're going to go on a tour along with uh, the head of engineering, Scott Cassidy, Gabriella Churchill from marketing. And uh, Andrew LeBond is also here. Here's some pieces. This is more of a... Uh, electromechanical siren that you'll see on the front of a fire truck. So this this is what we call our Q siren. Almost every fire truck you'll see in the United States will have one of these on them. It's that characteristic sound of the, yeah. the extremely loud rising falling tone you'll see on a, on a fire it, truck. It's called a Q siren? Right, the Q siren. What does Q stand for? It's not quiet. This, this place is enormous. It's uh, 450,000 square feet. To give you a sense for, for just how big that is, if your foot is one square foot, imagine 450,000 of your foot in one room. So we heard a siren not too long ago that was, uh, there's a tornado warning, and there was this siren that was I guess just freaky. It's a wailing tone, and so the, the mechanical sirens, they wail up and down, and so it's a, it's a, it rises up to a peak frequency, it falls down to a, a low frequency, and it repeats. So these rising and falling tones are, let you perceive this warning tone against background noise, so it's very distinguishable. So when I, after I heard the sound, I immediately went online. People are crazy about the Chicago tornado alarm sound. Can I read you a few of the things people have said about it and get I'm your sure reaction? I love it. <laughs> okay, somebody said, um, this sounds like if there were ice cream trucks in hell. That's what they would say. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, this sound is actually used to frighten away the tornadoes. Uh, this sounds like dolphins dying in reverse. 
that's that's great. I mean, it, we're getting their attention. That's what counts. <laughs> but this is to make them know that there's something bad going on. Right now, we're looking at a set of alarm boxes. They have all these buttons uh, and indicators, and there's a microphone sticking out of them. Uh, here's a Randy Mann who works here. From here, I can set off an alarm. And this is an emergency general alarm. This would normally be used to evacuate the facility. And if I hit to do any kind of emergency speeches, I can uh, interrupt that alarm. Please evacuate the facility, just to let everyone know what the conditions are and where they should be going. And of course, you can also cancel everything and go back to normal. I imagine you're testing stuff like this. That's happening all the time in here. Yes. What's your reaction when did you just tune that out when you uh, hear I'm an alarm? To alarms. Uh, I think when I, I've been here about seven years. When I first started working here, I started dreaming about alarms. I'd wake up and my wife would tell me, hey, you know, you're making a lot of noise. I'm like, oh, sorry, you know, general alarm's going off, you know. Uh, now I'm pretty much immune to it. Um, when, they're, when they go off in the plant, the fire alarms, someone usually has to go, hey, it's, it's a real alarm to all of us in this area. We're just so used to hearing them all day long. Okay, we're going to head into the anechoic chamber. Uh, anechoic means no echoes, I asked. And this is where they test their sirens to see what they sound like and how the, the sound moves around in the atmosphere. So this is our anechoic chamber. you'll notice you're suspended above the floor. The floor is actually isolated from the building. So it's saw cut out concrete with springs that are completely isolated from the building. And then on top of that are these acoustic wedges that are completely surrounding us. And then there's a grate so you can actually walk inside and bring the product in. So you can see it's completely dead. There's, wow. there's just no reverberation coming off of the walls. Wow. It's kind of an eerie feeling. You can start to, your ears will ring because yeah. you're hearing nothing. It's, uh, it, it, if I hadn't just walked through that door, it would be so hard to believe I was in the middle of a huge industrial factory. Yeah, it's completely quiet inside. Well, this, I mean, this room that we're in, it reminds me of what you see like a lot of um, like recording studios where they kind of have baffling along the walls to like preserve the sound. But it doesn't, it seems like it almost would work in the opposite way. Yeah, in a recording studio, what they try to do is have a mixture of hard and soft surfaces so it sounds more natural. Yeah, in this environment, it's completely anechoic so that this does not sound like anything in nature. This would be like being in space where you, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere with no sound coming back at you. Shortly after I got hired here, they gave me a similar tour that we're going on right now several years ago. And I went home and did some research on an anechoic chamber. So I was like, well, what the heck is, you know, is this? And so in my research, I found that NASA actually uses a version of this to, uh, you know, get the, the uh, astronauts acclimated to the silence of space. I thought that was just the neatest thing to be able to yeah. connect this, you know, industrial, you know, kind of specifically used facility to something as, as big and bold as, as NASA. It really blew me away. So it's yeah. neat, neat stuff. Now, we're, we're hung up on this sound, which we'll play again here just, just because we want to terrify you. Unless you like good shows. Is that about fresh air? That was, I said I'd yeah. finish this. 
We heard from Gary. Gary and his wife, Joelle, listened to How to Do Everything while eating frozen yogurt. Gary and Joelle, these next 15 seconds are for you. Woke up this morning feeling fine. It's date night. Froyo night. What, what toppings do you like, Gary, Joelle? What toppings do you put on your froyo? Do you guys like the same toppings, or do you do two separate froyos? Does one of you like sprinkles and Snickers? One of you likes wet walnuts. Does one of you say froyo? One of you takes the time to say frozen yogurt. Now it's the part of our show where we talk about our sponsors who give us money to talk about them. And this week we're talking about stamps.com. You know, there's never a convenient time to go to the post office, but with Stamps.com, the post office is always convenient. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your computer 24-7. Use the promo code EVERYTHING for a no-risk trial and a special bonus offer. Go to Stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in the word EVERYTHING. That's Stamps.com. Enter EVERYTHING. Support also comes from Casper, the online retailer for mattresses. Casper mattresses are American-made and obsessively engineered for comfort. They use two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, to give just the right amount of sink and bounce. And they have a risk-free trial. You can try out your Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and returns. It's outrageous comfort at a polite price. Go to casper.com slash everything to check out their options there's a special offer for listeners of this podcast use the promo code everything to redeem $50 towards a Casper mattress that works for you terms and conditions apply that does it for this week's show what'd you learn Ian you know as scary as the sound is of the tornado siren yeah I didn't seek cover I, I pulled out my, my phone and I recorded it. It was so weird, the sound, that it made you curious to know more about it. I actually, not only did I not seek shelter, I actually went further out into open area so I could get closer to the speaker to record it. It actually it drew you near. It endangered my life. Yeah. Maybe the whole time this siren is is actually, when we say tornado siren, it's the siren the tornado plays. Yeah. Like like the sirens of the Odyssey, its song drew me closer so it could kill me. It's in league with the tornado. The tornado is using it like the ocean uses the sirens to suck in Odysseus's crew. There was a apostrophe there, and we never realized it. It wasn't the tornado's siren. It was the tornado's siren. You won't fool me again, Twister. How to Do Everything is produced. Who by? It's produced. Technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern is Lorna White. Good job, Lorna. You can get us your questions. Send them to us at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.